once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the C-Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis. Today, we are joined by Aaron Lupton of Rue Morgue, metal music journalist, just all-around journalist, horror aficionado, so it might get a little bit spooky. But before we get too far into things, I do just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks a lot, guys. Great to, great to be here. So... Aaron, just to start off, can you give us like the nutshell mini version of who you are, what you do kind of thing? Uh, well, my name's Aaron Lupton. And uh, the reason why I guess I'm on this podcast is, uh, you know, my my somewhat life as a writer, as a music journalist and uh, horror journalist. Uh, it's really a bit more of a, a side life for me, a second life, I guess. And so, uh, yeah, we'll just... I guess I'm just here because of uh, my long-standing association with Room Org Magazine. That's where I do most of my writing. And I've done a little bit of book writing uh, as well recently on horror soundtrack music and soundtrack music in general. Corey? Yep. Oh, yeah, I'm just waiting for you to have a follow-up because you always nope. have a follow-up, Curtis. Is this like the one time you don't have a follow-up? <laughs> if you guys want, you can also just like, press the Aaron Lupton talk button and then I'll just blah, 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 and just talk to you. About <laughs> no, I know you guys probably want, want this to be a bit more structured and not having meandering all over the place because no, no, we that's we what we do on this podcast. We meander. Mm -hmm. um, but how did you get started in music writing and then transition to Rue Morgue? Well, music writing was, uh, yeah. So I guess I, I guess I started that. I don't know. It's pretty young. Uh, must've been about, 20 years old or something like that and I'm 44 now and mostly just kind of writing for punk zines and stuff like that uh you know you basically you're writing for free cds right because of course when you're 20 years old you still are buying everything in a physical format and you still had to go to the store to find music right there's always like you know I, I grew up in a somewhat small city in, in Canada uh, Sudbury Ontario and it wasn't exactly like the mecca of culture shall we say not like a toronto the so, spot. what's that that it wasn't the happening spot it was not it was not a happening spot so there was no cool record stores or anything like that so music kind of got back to Sudbury because there'd always be some guy that went to toronto with his family and they went to one of the big stores and bought a bunch of like punk cds or something like that or cassettes even and so i didn't grow up with like a ton of money like i wasn't poor but i definitely didn't have a lot of money so just getting free CDs was like a really big deal. And, and my CD collection went from like 10 and a bunch of dubbed cassettes to like literally thousands of free CDs. So that was kind of cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, I wrote for a hardcore magazine for a little while. I remember uh, I was big into, into punk and hardcore. That was mostly what I kind of grew up on. And uh, where Rumor came along actually. So again, this is like, I could, I could make this story as long as you want. I think really what it was, was, for someone that came from punk and hardcore music, punk and hardcore is always affiliated with like the politics of it, right? And so 
definitely that's going to be really appealing to young people because young people tend to be a bit more idealistic. They tend to be left of center. They tend to identify with the underdog and that type of thing. And so the politics of punk and hardcore really appealed to me. But the thing is, is that as it kind of went along, especially in the hardcore scene, it got a little weird where it sort of kind of became like this competition, almost sort of like, like who's the best person or who's the most moral person or who's the person that's doing the least wrong things. And it kind of got exhausting to the point where you're sort of like, I don't even know if I like this anymore. Like, I don't like, I don't like it's, I always feel like I'm doing something wrong or doing something bad. So believe it or not, the misfits is something I got into a bit later. I wasn't like into the misfits until I was about 19 or something like that. And the reason it appealed to me was because the music was really cool, like this weird sort of very poppy version of the Ramones, but all the songs were almost like death metal lyrics or something like that. You know what I mean? Like they were really nasty and brutal. So that really appealed to me. And I got so obsessed with the Misfits that I just burned myself out on them after listening to them for so many years. It got to the point where I was like taking my Misfit CDs and like putting them on cassette, but putting the songs in a different order, just so I could listen to the album in a different way. And after I burned myself out on them, you start discovering other horror music. Like, you know, there was the Undead, that was Bobby Steele's band, uh, one of the original guitarists for the Misfits. Uh, there was a band in from Hamilton, where I live now, called Razor Eater. Almost no one would have heard of them, but they were kind of similar to that in the sense it was kind of poppy music that was horror themed. And I was always searching for more horror-themed music. So with Rumor, I first got into Rumor by just writing one music, or excuse me, one movie review for them. And there's a whole story behind Rumor that we'll probably get into in a, in a little bit. But what was cool about Rumor is that, you know, I grew up as a horror fan on Fangoria magazine. That was sort of like the Bible of, of yep. horror world. But the thing with, with Fangoria is that it was only really good because it was the only real horror magazine out there that was treating the horror genre with respect and excitement and everything like that, right? Yeah. But the but the content editorial wise of Fangoria was really just here's the next six horror movies that are coming out. Here's the next eight horror movies that are coming out, and they're always good. Like it didn't matter if the movie was like the worst movie that no horror fan would ever like. It was yep. always being written about as though it's going to be the best horror movie that you've ever seen. So after a while, there's this kind of, you know, dishonesty with the magazine where you don't feel that they're really treating the readers with respect. So the appeal of Remorgue was that, first of all, it was from Toronto where I was living at the time. And it was very DIY when it first started. But first of all, it had a much more critical approach, not just in the sense that not everything got a good review. In fact, a lot of things got really scathing and bad reviews. But it's mm -hmm. also, it was the selection of the content. It was the selection of what, what's being covered. Certain movies, they would just say, well, we're not going to cover that because it's not even worth talking about, right? So that's, that was a real paradigm shift for that magazine. And um, the other thing about it is that it wasn't focused exclusively on films. Uh, obviously, if you're into horror, you know, the number one thing that you're into is horror movies. And I think that's always going to be the case. People are always going to be the most excited about horror movies over things like horror, even horror books or anything like that. But Rumor took the approach of horror is not just a genre, it's an aesthetic. And, and this aesthetic applies itself to different mediums uh, across, you know, pop culture. So they're covering horror movies, but they're also covering horror comics, horror books horror merchandise 
And then the coolest thing was fairly early on in the magazine's history, they came up with the music section. So that gets back to my original point about me searching out for horror themed bands and horror themed music. This was like the most exciting thing in the world for me. Oh my God, a horror magazine has a music section. So I had written a couple of movie reviews, but I really wanted to get into that, that music section. Um, and Rod Godino, who's the owner of the magazine, was basically doing most of the writing himself when it first started. And uh, he was reviewing all the music because he had a background in music journalism. Uh, he used to work for a magazine called RPM out of mm -hmm. Toronto that no longer exists. And uh, uh, he was covering all the genres, which was a bit of a problem when it came to the metal music because he really, really didn't like, for Rod Godino to listen to death metal, it would be like me listening to like, you know, Britney Spears or something like that. Like, there's just no, there's no way he could get his his head wrapped around the music. And I said, oh, I could, I could do that. Um, we pause. Yep. I just got to do something. We're right back. Yep. We are back after that pause. So go ahead, Aaron. Yeah. So, so Rod Godino, he was the owner of the magazine. So he was doing a lot of the music reviewing. And when it came to the metal, it just sort of like, you know, obviously if you're reviewing music in a horror magazine, people are always going to say, oh, so you cover a lot of death metal, which isn't necessarily true. There's a lot of other horror themed music out there, but you certainly cannot ignore the metal genre. It's always going to be like the number one music genre that a lot of horror fans are into, I think. Yeah. Uh, but for somebody that has no idea about death metal or extreme metal, they just listen to it and it's like, what the hell is this? It's a bunch of noise, right? So he had no idea how to review it. And a lot of the times, a lot of like really good metal albums were getting really terrible reviews. And it was kind of getting a terrible review because it was a metal album. <laughs> and so uh, he asked me if I could take that over. The weird thing about that though, is that, and I'm gonna to be totally candid here because I don't have any problems being called out as a poser. I'm 44, I, I can be a poser. I knew almost nothing about extreme metal myself. Like I had a vague interest in it, but I almost thought it was kind of funny. Like I remember me and my friends looking at Cannibal Corpse CDs and stuff like that. Again, if you're into punk and hardcore and you're into like real topics, real life topics, the idea of a metal band singing about like, you know, fantasy things or like over the top gore just seemed ridiculous. Yeah. So I didn't really actually know what I was doing either if I'm being totally honest about it. And I, I got called out you know, on a lot of my reviews, like, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Why did he call this this genre when it's not really and that type of thing. But regardless, what ended up happening is that that's actually how I became a metal fan was I started off reviewing it. So like I say, I'll, I'll get called out as the biggest poser, the biggest fraud there is, because of course, you're supposed to be an expert before you write on it. I only became an expert because I had to write on it kind of thing, right? That's how I sort of got into it. Interesting. Okay. Um, so let me just I was here. young then. I was I was like I say I was like 21 20 I was probably about 22 or something like that 22 23 okay so be before we before we get on too deep so like Rue Morgue since it's a horror magazine you're mainly going to be focusing on bands that that focus on horror correct you're not going to like for instance go to a band that doesn't focus any horror as a general rule correct yeah, for sure. And it's something that I became more strict on. I mean, it's always been a rule of the magazine, but you will occasionally come across a band where you're like, why the hell are they covering that in Room Org? Sometimes it's just because it's like a band that it's kind of dark. Like, you know, you might think of a band like uh, Godspeed, You Black Emperor, you know, kind of thing where it's not really horror, but it's kind of 
spooky or intense sounding or something like that, right? I became the music editor uh, in 2013, I think it was. I can't even believe it's that long ago now. And I've always been really strict about it's got to be horror, it's got to be horror. But for journalists that pitch stuff, I get it all the time, all the time. You know, they want to review a band because they like the band, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, but the band's cool, dude. It's just that it's not going to look right in the magazine. Like it's going to look weird. It's going to stand out. And, and, and what I always say is, is, is listen, if you can explain to somebody why a horror band, horror fan would be interested in this band, then we'll cover it. That's, that's the kind of, you know, principle of the whole thing. But if you can't really explain to a horror fan why they'd be interested in it, it doesn't matter how good the band is. It just doesn't really fit with the magazine. Right. So tell me this then is it can it be difficult to find bands to cover each time you you need to publish because that i like you yeah. usually like 10 reviews per isn't it or my or my imagining yeah, it's, it's now 10 reviews it used to be nine now it's 10 yeah. Uh, and yeah i mean it, it 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 can be tough because it's it's exactly like what i was saying to you before that like once i burned myself on the misfits i was looking for other bands you know what i mean like i was really into skinny puppy because they had a lot of horror samples in their music um but it's not like every day that you hear of a horror themed band but here's the thing is that i don't know it's kind of weird like so like this might sound kind of arrogant but i i almost think that because the magazine exists that's one of the reasons why there's more and more horror themed bands that come out like people when 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 artists see that there's an actual platform and an actual place where they could be reviewed and could be featured or they read about other bands, they want to do it. The other thing is that horror, I think horror people, horror fans are generally very creative people, right? So yes, they're consumers for sure. They're major consumers. They want to buy every horror themed merchandise there is, but they're also creative people and they want to start bands. They love horror so much that they don't want to just play surf music. They want to play spooky surf music, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I mean, the, the magazine is pretty well known now, I think, and uh, I, my inbox gets flooded, but, you know, yes, sometimes you got to stretch the boundaries a little bit. Um, that's where the, that's where the metal genre really comes in, in handy. If I need to round out the section, there's always yeah. going to be some horror themed metal bands, as long as they're singing about, but again, even there, I'm, I'm kind of strict, right? Like if you're just singing about like Satanism or like, you know, God sucks or whatever, then to me, that's not really horror. Uh, it's got to be something that's more, you know, founded in in the horror genre, founded in fear in some way. Well, can you give a quick example of like a band that you would consider to be that, just so people got an idea of what you mean by that? Like like horror themed bands? Yeah, well, just like a band that may not be necessarily a horror theme, but who you would be, who you would cover, like a type of band like that. Well, I mean, there. I mean, if if I'm going to stretch the boundaries a little bit, uh, I think in the last issue I did a feature on, um, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it totally correctly. Kalen Mikla, do you know who they are? Iceland, so. from Iceland, and uh, they are really more of a synth band, like a, an electronic band, but they're promoted by uh, the metal publicists because they play with metal bands and they use a lot of metal imagery. And um, I, I, you know. I don't think that black, like they use a lot of, excuse me, black metal Im- imagery. And I don't think that black metal in and of itself is necessarily horror. 
it's often sort of more like ideology kind of thing. But I like the whole, you know, the sort of like gothic sort of dark evil imagery that they use kind of thing. Like there's a definite like kind of spooky aesthetic to it. So even though Kayla and Mikla, I'm sure would not consider themselves to be a horror band, you know, there's enough horror artwork and enough horror imagery within their, their, uh, their, their topics. They use a lot of sort of like old dark fork folklore and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But even just, kind of stretching the boundaries a little bit. Fair enough. Um, I think I'm done on that one. Corey, do you have a follow-up on that? I do not have a follow-up on that, but it kind of leads into the next question, which goes into pitching. So when somebody is pitching you, how do people kind of stand out? Because if your inbox is anything like mine, it's going to be completely bonkers. Oh yeah, it's insane. And I mean, like, as, as far as getting pitches goes, I mean, there are certain publicists and obviously we're not going to talk about anyone <laughs> specifically here, but it's like the same email every single time. You're going to like them because they sound like this band. You're going to like them because they sound like this band. That has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with what band they sound like. I don't care. Right. What I need is I need um, uh, uh, an actual tie-in to the horror genre. I think you guys had Natalie Camillo. Cam Camillo? Yep. I don't know how yep. to pronounce her name. Uh, she's actually quite good at that. Like she, she doesn't just send me like a blank press release. She kind of like puts a little paragraph in terms of like, you know, it's connected to, and you know, they have a few songs that are based on these horror films or something like that, or that were inspired by these horror films or, or, or they make a point of saying it's, it's uh, based on like HP Lovecraft, which is a major, major source of inspiration in the metal genre like I, I feel like almost every issue we have one Lovecraft themed metal band in there right but those types of things uh that's what that's what gets it noticed right if it's if it's just a blank press release I still read through them if there's something about the band's name or the album name that kind of catches my attention but you're probably like me you cannot read every single press release that comes across your desk and and uh uh if it the, the, see the good thing is is that like if you're a metal publicist right and you're trying to pitch a band to like decibel or whatever the you know horror magazines are out there it's always going to be kind of the same right but the good thing with room org is that you've got like a very specific way to pitch the band um it's always about not it's not about the music it's about it's not about how good the band is it's about what is the band about what is the subject matter of the band yeah. uh and uh uh again like the the whole thing about how you're gonna like this band because they sound like Bathory and Cannibal Corpse uh it just it, it means nothing to me right I I need to have some sort of context or subject to go along with the band um fair enough so just so just on that so it's just all you want is how does it tie into horror and then kind of like music musically versus most people just do musically and skip the subject matter correct yeah yeah i guess so cool just to clarify on that um so Corey, did you have a follow-up on that no cool uh so next up is so what are some really good examples that you have of bands that are using horror imagery nowadays? Not old school. Um, I mean, there's just, there's so many, right? Because you're talking about like all these different um, genres, right? There's a, I mean, in the, in the metal world, there's that one label, what are they called? Horror ping or death. Yeah. Is that what they're called? They have a lot of like, you know, um, 
kind of splatter film type of uh, type of imagery associated with those bands, uh, kind of similar to like what Razorback Records was doing back in the day. They had a lot of those bands, uh, you know, like uh, Ghoul and Frightmare and stuff like that. Yep. Um, those were all like, you know, very kind of cool horror theme type bands, um, you know, but it's 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 kind of endless. You know what I mean? Like there's there's. Uh, you know, I like a lot of like, you know, pop punk bands like the Groovy Ghoulies and stuff like that, you know, that are doing that are doing horror themed uh, horror themed pop music. But for me, you know, again, like it's a little tricky because as I've gotten older, my interest in music is honestly, believe it or not, more like soundtrack music. Like that's what I'm really kind of, you know, focusing in on. So obviously there's there's you know, there's no reason to really get into that. I mean, it's, it's a horror soundtrack. That's why it's being covered. But on top of that, you're getting all these other bands that are coming out of that, that are making original music that sound like they're kind of like almost like a horror soundtrack. So there's all these, there's Slasher Dave in Detroit. He has that band Acid Witch, but also his solo stuff that he does under the name Slasher Dave is all very Carpenter and Fabio Fritzi type of sounding music, which is really cool. There's also Voyager 3 that it's that, that who are also from Michigan. Um, and then you've got bigger bands, you know, from uh, France, like Perturbator. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Uh, Carpenter Brute. Uh, there's a similar band also from France called Christine, who are slightly smaller. Obviously, they took their name from the Carpenter film. There's Videogram, who I think are from Sweden or something like that. They're from, I think they're from Scandinavia. I can't, I'm not sure. Um, so, so there's a lot of those, those types of bands and, uh, it's, um, it's, it's cool. It's, it's cool to see an entire genre of music that's being basically created out of people's interest in the genre and people's interest in, uh, in, um, in, in soundtrack music. And I think that what's really cool about that is that it's kind of like it's horror first music second, almost in a way, right? Like they're, they're really doing the music because of horror, whereas a band like Groovy Ghoulies is a pop punk band that happens to like horror cool um i think that's all i got on that one i think it's Corey's question now yeah definitely and then so you've been in the journalism world for a minute do you have any tips or advice because we have a lot of uh people trying to find their footing in the industry who listen to this podcast so any tips or advice for people who want to get started either in you know music journalism movie journalism or just journalism in general on how they can get their foot in the door. Cause I know it's really competitive and really hard. Yeah, I guess it's, I guess it's really hard because uh, I think writing is one of those things that everyone thinks they can do it. It's kind of like being the lead singer for a band, right? Like if you can't play an instrument, you want to be the lead singer, but unless you can actually sing, it's not going to work out. Right. And, uh, and I think it's the same thing with, with writing. I mean, I get pitches from people all the time and it, it doesn't take very long. You just read a few things and you're like, no, this, this, this isn't going to work. One thing I can tell you is that I don't think it's really that important who you've written for or like, you know, the fact that you've, you know, are affiliated with some other website or something like that. It's really about what you're bringing to the table as a writer. So you really kind of want to hone your craft there and you want to sort of do a lot of reading in magazines, do a lot of reading of reviews and find the reviews that you like and kind of figure out what it is about that that you like. So having a really good command of, of, of language, but also make it very entertaining, right? Because 
you can only really learn so much from a, a review anyway. I think that the, 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 the trick there is that you want your, your, your writing to be entertaining because if it's entertaining, you're gonna remember that review and then you're gonna remember the band, that, that, that type of thing. Um, now, at the same time, I'll be contradictory here in saying that you wanna hone your craft and you, and you wanna you know, focus in on that strongly. But at the same time, I, I, I think that so many writers, and, and I was the same way for so many years, you don't understand how many years I went through that I struggled, struggled with writing before I got to the place that I'm at now where I can do it kind of you know on command. I can just like get drunk and write. <laughs> 10 reviews and they all come out sounding great. But, mm -hmm. but the way to get the way to get around that, like just me, I've done it so many times. You sit down in front of your computer and you can't write that first sentence. You write it, yep. you read it, you rewrite it again, and you're just losing your mind because it's only 150 words. And why can't they come out? It comes out when you stop um, caring so much. You have to relax. You got to relax and just have fun with it. And honestly, just, just start writing. Just put those words on the piece of paper. And trust me, it will start to come out naturally the more that you do that. Cool. Awesome. Um, do we have anything else for Oh. Hey, what's up, buddy? Right now. So. Oh, I'll let you continue, Curtis. I was, I was just going to say, so we, we got one final question for you, Aaron, and we really appreciate having you on. And. What is your favorite dinosaur? Well, I hate to be uh, totally boring, but I'm going to say Tyrannosaurus Rex, and that's because guess what? It's my son's favorite dinosaur. I think that all boys are into monsters, sharks, and dinosaurs. I swear to God, it's in their DNA. It, they just naturally love dinosaurs, and they love. But I, I actually did. I the dinosaurs. So <laughs> that. I said 32 year old women are into sharks and dinosaurs who isn't into sharks and dinosaurs? yeah actually that's a good yeah and that's a good point I mean same thing with horror right I mean being a young horror nerd was a very lonely place to be right because there were no women that were into that stuff but now it's all probably, the came out <laughs> yeah, it's 50 50 you've got you know a whole feminist wave of horror stuff that's coming out it's it's huge with, with that society has changed, right? There's so many different ways that society has changed in our lives. And it's weird to think about it that like, no, things were very compartmentalized when we were younger. These are, toys are for boys. These toys are for girls. And it's, it's not the same now. It's very different. So I had a better answer for that dinosaur question though, but I honestly, I'm so, I can't remember the name of the dinosaur. Uh, it's kind of low to the ground and it starts with a P I'm pretty sure. P. And it's got like a shell kind of on its back. Oh, oh, I know what one you're talking about. Um, hang on a second. I, I'm going to Google this, dang it, because I know this one. Ankylosaurus, the one that's got like a club on its tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I liked it when I was a kid, I liked it. I don't know why I thought it was cute or something like that. Cool. Yeah. So, so for the very final question, actually, so what's your favorite horror movie of the last year or two, Aaron? Favorite horror movie of the last year or two, man. Well, I mean, I don't know, like a lot of horror stuff kind of, you know, there wasn't a lot of movies during the uh, pandemic, although I certainly burnt myself out on uh, on Netflix a lot. Um, I did like that last, not Halloween Kills, but the, the previous Halloween one. I know that there's like, you know, people are always up in arms over whether or not it was good. I thought it was the best Halloween movie since the 
the first one. I really did. I thought that it, uh, you know, I thought it was a lot better than the sequels. I thought that the music was great. You know, obviously it was great to hear a new Carpenter score. And uh, they found the right way to bring in all the Halloween nostalgia without kind of like making it too uh, over the top and too nudge, nudge, wink, wink. The Halloween Kills, I thought was fucking terrible. I thought that was just awful. I don't even understand how they went from such a good film to such a bad film. But Halloween Kills was kind of like the opposite of the first one where all the nostalgia stuff is so over the top and in your face, it's kind of embarrassing. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, with that, I think we're done. So party on, Corey. Party on, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C-Squared.